Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to say welcome to our online folks. Thank you so much. Boy, we love you. We got a great church online that joins us faithfully, and uh, we are grateful, grateful, grateful uh, for each of you uh, that join us. So uh, if you were here last week, I, uh, which was Easter, so I'm hoping you were here, okay? Um, if you were here last week, uh, I jumped into a new series, a Love Star series on Easter, and the series is entitled Things Jesus Never Said. Things Jesus Never Said. That dude's misquoted a bunch, by the way, all right? But we're going to look at things Jesus never said, all right? Last week we looked at, you don't have to forgive them. <laughs> he didn't say that, all right? He didn't say that. Today, second part, I want to look at this. Jesus never said, go do whatever makes you happy. Just go do whatever makes you happy. Can I help you with something? He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't just say, go do whatever makes you happy. Listen, we all want to be happy. Amen? I want to be happy. But doing whatever I want doesn't necessarily make me happy. Some of us have tried that. It didn't work, did it? It did not work. All right? Jesus said, I want to bless you. It's a big difference. When he blesses me, I am automatically happy because my joy is complete in him. Happiness is based on happenings, which means I've got to continue to create happenings to make me happy. And I'm going to tell you, you will wear yourself out trying to make you happy. Jesus didn't say, go do whatever makes you happy. Here's some other things he didn't say. He didn't say, go into all the world and preach whatever makes people happy. (laughs) That's not in the Bible, okay? I know there are churches that do that, but just because your parking lot's full with lots of cars doesn't make he, him happy with that. You gotta preach the word of God, unapologetically preach the word of God. You don't preach to make people happy, okay? It's not your job. It's not what Jesus said do. Jesus didn't say, whoever wants to be my disciple must affirm themselves, avoid the cross, and follow your own heart. (laughs) That's not in the Bible, okay? He didn't say that. Jesus did not say that. Jesus didn't also say this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you'll get everything that makes you happy. He didn't say that either. A lot of people think that, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say this either. Ask, and it will be given to you because God is your celestial sugar daddy. 
That is not in the Bible, church. Please understand that. If you're sitting at work and your friends go, is it, I, I read this on Facebook. They said it's in the Bible. And you're like, that's not in the Bible. All right? that is, just because Facebook says it's in the Bible does not mean it's in the Bible. That's a terrible, terrible reference on the Word of God. Okay, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say those things. But then we read a scripture, and it's a beautiful scripture. I love it. Psalm 37, 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Some of you are like, I am very delighted in the Lord. I can't wait to receive my GMC Denali. That is not what he's trying to teach here. He wants you to be so delighted in the Lord that your heart mirrors his heart and you will be delighted in what he's delighted in. And while you're delighted in the Lord, not thinking about your GMC Denali, he will bless you because he knows if you get that GMC Denali, you'll pack it full of your lost friends and bring them to your great church and they will come and know Jesus and one day God will give them a Denali and they'll get their friends and bring them in the kingdom and just explode. But if your GMC Denali keeps you from church, then your heart wasn't for God and he knows your heart. Be careful what you say Jesus said to make you happy, all right? So the purpose of the series is simply this. It's to find the true power of what Jesus said. And sometimes it helps me, because I'm kind of simple, to look at what he didn't say, what he could have said, what he might have said, what I might have said, but what he didn't say to truly embrace the power of what he did say. I know that's a long sentence. Right, you can go back and listen to that again. All right? We gotta look at sometimes what he didn't say, could have said, might have said, to really understand what he did say. Amen. So I want you to go to scripture. I want you to go to John chapter eight. I wanna look at a story that we're pretty all from, well, I think we're familiar with the story all right? If you grew up at any time in church or been at church most of your life, you've heard the story related to or referred to. I want to kind of look at it because there's some areas in this story in John chapter 8 that we camp on, but I don't think are the significant parts of the story. I want to look at it, but then I want to take us to the end because what Jesus didn't say, but what he did say is powerful. So follow with me in John chapter eight. John chapter eight, I wanna begin in verse two. Let me set it for you. This is the woman uh, that is caught in adultery, all right? And this text kind of tells the story of what they did to her and what happened to her and how Jesus handled it. So J- John chapter eight, if you don't have a word, find it on your Bible, I mean, find it on your phone, but get the word, I want you to see the word. Uh, John chapter eight, verse two. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and they sat down and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Please underline that. 
And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses condemned us, commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, I want to stop there for a second. This is a beautiful trap that they have basically orchestrated to get Jesus. It's complicated. The woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law, by law, it simply says the stoner. She's guilty. By that law, by law, she should be stoned. They've got Jesus, they believe, right where they want him. They misgaged that slightly. If Jesus agreed with them, he would lose his reputation of being a very loving person. Jesus is a person of love, okay? But if he lets her go, he is condemning or he condones adultery. He's saying it's all right. So they've got him, they believe, kind of stuck. But Jesus pauses for a moment. And I want you to pick up in verse six and see what he does. Look at the second half of six. But Jesus, and I told you that there are some butts bigger than other butts. That's a big butt right here. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. <laughs> I want to stop here for a second. We'll pick up in seven in just a second. Now get the picture. A bunch of religious people bring a woman caught in adultery, stand her in front of a group of religious people and accuse her to trap Jesus. Jesus is I mean, he is on the spot. And in the middle of it, right there, he bends down and begins to write in the ground. The big question in this text has always been, if you read it to a group of people, what did Jesus write? It's a good question, isn't it? wonder what Jesus wrote. What is he writing there? Is he drawing pictures? Is he drawing a heart? Is he drawing a gun? <laughs> What is he drawing? It's a good question. So if you look at the latter manuscripts, you see that he wrote down in the sand the sins of the accusers. It's called graphin. Graphin means to write down. What Jesus was doing is he was doing catagraphing. Okay? That means cata is against write down, record against someone. He is categraphing the sins of those individuals who are making the accusation about the woman. You say, how do you know that he's doing that? Another really good question. So let's look at that, all right? Look at verse seven. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone 
at the woman. I want you to see something. Picture this. This woman is caught in the act of adultery, dragged in by religious leaders and people of the law, Pharisees, accused in front of a group. Jesus bends down and begins to write in the sand. He stands up from that and he says, those of you that are without sin, throw the first stone. The first mic drop in scripture just happens. Amen? The world always thinks it cones something, but Jesus always beat them to it. All of a sudden, these dudes go. And what's interesting is, you watch how they leave the room in a second. Older ones first. As Paxson related to, I mentioned earlier in the first service, the older you are, and the longer you follow Jesus, the more you understand the grace and mercy of a good God. The longer you have to live, the longer you have to sin. The longer you have to mess up, miss the mark, don't do it right. And you understand that it's by the grace of a God that loves you and is crazy about you that covers your sins, washes you clean, and says, go out there and do it, right? And they drop these stones, and they walk away. I want you to keep going, because we want to get to the good stuff, all right? Look at verse eight. Pick up an eight. Again, just in case they need a little more, he stoops down and writes on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Hmm, what a moment. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are those who have condemned you? Verse 11, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Verse seven, they drop the stones older first and walk away. Why? Because they understand sin. It is so easy for us sometimes to see the sin in someone else's lives and don't see the sin in our lives. See, we see, we see our neighbor and they say, well, he's a jerk. But we don't understand that we have the same ability to be a jerk as well. But we think because we're less jerk than our neighbor, we're better. Jesus looks at us and says, being a jerk's a sin. Little jerk, big jerk, doesn't matter. Maybe you lie. You say, yeah, I, I lie sometimes, but I don't lie near as much as that dude I work with. That dude lies all the time. Well, just because he lies more than you lie doesn't mean you don't lie. Lying is sin. See, we, we, have a, we sometimes... <laughs> are experts in finding fault and sin in others, but we fail to look at our own lives. Jesus said, 
The word of God is a yardstick. It's the measuring tool. It's not your friend. It's not your buddies. It's not other couples. It's not your neighbor. It's not, it's not Washington. It is the word of God. And anything that is against the word of God, against Jesus, Jesus calls sin. It's called missing the mark. And these dudes saw Jesus right in the sand, their sins, and it's like for the very first time in their life, they went, oh, snot, that's me. And they mic dropped and exited the building. And I love the fact that tucked in there, it says that there was nobody left but Jesus and the woman. How precious is that? Can you imagine that setting? You are dragged into a room with religious leaders and religious people and teachers of the law, stood in front of them, heard them accuse you, and Jesus goes to your defense. And he helps them see your accusers the way he sees your accusers. He writes their sin down. He doesn't write your sins down. He stands up. He says, you got no sin? You throw the first stone. They might drop an exit. Jesus turns to her in love and says, where are the guys that accused you? They're gone. They're gone. So 8 through 12, 8 through 11 we see the beautiful rest of this story. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to look at what Jesus didn't say. Here's what he didn't say, okay? Because I want you to see what he didn't say to her because then I want you to see what he said to her and it'll change you. It'll change you. Look at what he didn't say to her. Go and do whatever makes you happy, girl. It's not what he said to her. It's not what he said to her. He didn't say go and do whatever makes you happy. He didn't say go and get you a happy meal and go sit on the banks of the Jordan. He didn't say that. He didn't say go now and follow your feelings. We, <laughs> we sometimes think that Jesus is love and because he's love, he doesn't speak truth. Jesus speaks truth because Jesus says, I am love and truth. Jesus loved this woman more than anything in the world. And he didn't just speak love into her and say, go do whatever you want to do. Go do whatever feels good. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't say it doesn't matter what you do. All it matters what you do. I want you to go to Romans chapter six. I want you to see that it really matters what you do. Go to Romans chapter six. Look at verses one and two. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Skip down to verse six. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. If he tells her, just go do whatever makes you happy, she returns to her vomit. She goes right back in to that lifestyle. Jesus didn't say that to her because sin is a big deal. Sin's a big, big deal. And we, sometimes in the church, have neglected to speak about sin because if you speak about sin, then you're judging people. Then you can't speak against sin unless you're perfect. And preacher, you ain't perfect, so you can't talk about sin. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm not perfect, but I have to, according to the call of my life as a pastor, teach the word of God. And sin is a big deal to God. And just because the world doesn't see sin as big doesn't mean that God doesn't see sin as big. Sin breaks fellowship with God. And sin keeps people from God. And Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm gonna send my son to die on a cross for you to take your place, to take your sins so that I can have a relationship with you. See, when you give your life to Christ, he, become, he comes inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God and he makes you new. You are supernaturally born again, a new person. In baptism, we do this. You are buried with Christ in baptism. The old, nasty, ugly, lying, sinful person that never was moved by sin when under that water, you come up, you died with sin, you come up raised to walk a new life, to be different, to, be, to never be the same again. Why? Because you're a born again new person. Now, can you sin? Yes, you can sin, but you've got to walk over Jesus as a believer to sin. You've got to ignore him. You gotta squash him to do it. Will you mess up as a Christian, as a believer? Yes, but you repent of that sin. He washes you clean and you walk in that. But you don't use sin to swim in your sin and you don't justify your sin as a believer. If you can swim in your sin and justify your sin and call yourself a believer, I'm gonna tell you something right now. You might wanna check your whole card. I'm not sure you're saved because Jesus Christ did not die for you to live like hell and expect heaven. You don't have fire insurance, my friend. You have a relationship. Sin's a big deal. Sin's a very big deal. He did not say, go do you, girl. I got you covered. He didn't say that. You see, sin promises satisfaction. Oh, it does. At the cost of disobedience to God. Sin promises satisfaction. Can we just go ahead and say, sin's fun. Sin's fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't be tempted to do it. But sin's never gonna fill you. It's gonna leave you empty. Sin. You may be saying, what is sin? Sin is simply this. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is anything that goes against what God set in place. I know, I know couples that say, we're not having as much sex outside of marriage as my friend and her boyfriend. Okay, does that make yours not sin and theirs sin? I'm not lying near as much as them, but are you lying? Yes, then lying's sin. 
Well, listen, you think I can't forgive? You ought to meet my friend. She's never forgiven anyone. Okay, that doesn't make her sin more than yours, and hers because it's bigger, squash yours because it's smaller. Anytime I don't forgive, I live in sin. Because Jesus said unforgiveness is a sin. Anytime I do that. Listen, we can go this. Anytime I'm not patient, it's sin. Because Jesus said patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Anytime I worry, it's a sin. No, Jeff, it's just a day that I had that was bad and I worried a lot. No, it's a sin. Because Jesus said, don't be anxious for nothing and don't worry about anything. By everything in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and walk away knowing he's got it. And don't worry about it. See, we don't call it what it is anymore. We dress it up and call it really sweet names so it doesn't sting as bad. We gotta call it what it is. I understand that their sin may be bigger, but just because theirs is bigger doesn't justify yours that is small. Yours hurts Jesus just as much as theirs does. It wasn't only big sins that put him on the cross, it was all the baby ones added up too. He said, guys, preacher, did you not have a good Easter? I had a great Easter, okay? But, but listen to me. I can't tell you I love you, and I do, and not tell you the truth. So we looked at what he didn't say. How about some good news and see what he did say? What did Jesus say to this woman? <laughs> Maybe I should say, what would you have said to this woman? Look at what he says. Go now. Do you see that? She's brought in. They might drop because they see their sins. He says, where are those who accuse you? She says, no one. Then neither do I. And soon as he said, neither do I, he said what? Go now. Go now means what? Go now. Urgency. You tell your kid to go now and clean your room. That means if you don't go now, I'm going to kill you. Go now, all right, and do that. Go now. And what? Go be happy? Go do what you want? Go be you, girl. I covered it. Try harder. Do better. You can do it. See, in a pep talk, he said, Go now and leave your life of sin. Man, that's gorgeous. Go now and what? Be different. Go now, be free. Go now, be new. Go now and be who I made you to be. You're not being what I made you to be, you're settling. You, 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 you're stooping down. You're becoming something for somebody to keep somebody that doesn't even love you. Go now and leave your life of sin because my love for you is greater than anything else. If he, she is met with anything else, she goes back to it. Every, every, I guarantee you, Jesus met her with love, but he didn't just meet her with love with a 
with a sucker. He met her with love, with truth. And when truth and love combined, it changes everything. Don't go do you, girl. Go do me who set you free. See what he said? Go do me who just showered you with unlimited grace, unmerited favor, the mercies of a good God. When you meet a good God and a good God changes your life, you're gonna live a life that's good. Why? Because you're thankful to a good God for a good grace. Go be you, girl, but go be free. I've said this before, but it's good. You need to write it down. Sin will always take you further than you wanna go. And it'll keep you longer than you wanna stay, my friend. We give pop-up testimonies everywhere. Sin will always take you further than you ever meant to go. And it'll always keep you longer than you wanna stay. You see, without a belief in an absolute truth, absolute truth, then truth is defined by what makes me happy. (laughs) Uh, You see that anywhere? I am my own God. My life, I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want, because I want, and no one tells me what to do, and I'm gonna go get my happiness because I deserve it. I'm not as bad as them. I'm better than them, so I deserve more. I define my happiness, and I go get it. It's like you make your happy meal and eat it too. If truth is defined by what makes me happy, then the absolute truth doesn't get a chance. When the bottom line is my happiness, then happiness becomes the standard in which I judge my actions. Mine's not really sin, pastor. Why? Because it's not as bad as someone else's and it makes me happy. Still sin. And see, we don't judge it for sin, we judge it for making ourselves happy. You were never, never, ever created to make yourself happy. He never promised you happiness. Jesus promised if you would follow after him, he would bless you and your joy would be so full that you would not desire the things of the world. You know the problem with sin today is? What they're really saying is Jesus is not enough. That's what they're saying. He's just not enough, so I have to go get more. You know it's wrong, but it feels right. That's what happens when feeling is your belief system. If it feels good, I do it. I know it's wrong, but it feels good. So it must be right. Jesus never said, go be happy. Jesus said, leave your life of sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God, our God, our good God, he is faithful. He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, okay? Meaning 
You, can, you, you will be tempted, you will fall into temptation, but he is faithful, he will make a way out. What? I used to teach this students all the time, 18 years of student ministry. Listen to me, anything that hovers runs out of gas and crashes. If your plane is making laps around an airport, here's what you're thinking. I hope we don't run out of gas. That's what we think. Anything that hovers. So if you are somewhere you should not be, at a time you should not be at it, but you just hover there because you think you can handle it, you're going to crash. You push an envelope long enough across a table, and unbeknownst to you, one push, it's gonna fall. You can't control it. I used to tell students this. If you're where you shouldn't be, when you shouldn't be there, doing what you know you shouldn't do, all right, he's made a way out. The Holy Spirit and a born-again believer will come up inside of you, and the Word of God will say, and the Holy Spirit will say, get out. Abort, pull a cord, get out. I call it get the fat out. I used to tell students, listen to me, you can't hover. Just because you had five quiet times that day doesn't mean you're gonna make it, all right? You can't hover. You gotta get the fat out because if you don't, you're gonna fall into sin. And if your judgment, if your yardstick on sin is someone else's sin, you can say, well, this little sin right here that we're about to do is not bad as somebody else's, so mine's not that bad. And I wanna be happy. They make me happy. If I do this, I get to keep them, and that keeps me happy. Those are terrible reasons to hover. You will crash. When the Holy Spirit says, listen, you need to get, then you need to get. And if they ask you what you're doing, you say, I'm getting the fat out. It's a scriptural thing. You say, well, if I look, it's not that bad because I'm only looking, but I'm not participating. Sin will always take you further than you wanna go and keep you longer than you wanna stay. While you're looking, if the Holy Spirit says, quit looking at that. Stop, leave your life of sin now then you repent of that, you tell God you're sorry, and you shut it down and walk away. Because if you hover, you will crash. I promise you. You gotta get the fat out. You gotta get the fat out. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. I want you to hear that. We're all gonna be tempted. Every temptation is an invitation to be dependent upon God. God wants us to be independently dependent upon him because he's good. When you're tempted, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, okay? When you're tempted by the enemy to do something wrong and fall into sin, that's a compliment to you, all right? Because that means you're a threat to him and he's trying to take you out. So you take the compliment and you say, that's right, you know my name. And so this temptation that you're bringing my way is an invitation for me to depend on God because my God's faithful. And so you know what? My God is faithful. He provides a way out. And I'm about to get the fat out. And you're not gonna get me. Sin is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. Last and we're out of here. Psalm 34, eight says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Taste and see that he's good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that he is good. Jesus is enough. 
Taste and see that he's good. And you'll be blessed if you take refuge in him. Psalm 1611 says this, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with your eternal pleasures at your right hand. When my joy is the Lord, he will bless me. And what he blesses me with will trump anything the world will give me through happiness. Every time. Every time. You gotta understand this. Jesus is better than sin. Jesus is better than sin. We sang that song a while ago, you are still my first love. Is he? Is he? Is he still your first love? Or is there somebody or something or some things that you put on, put on a pedestal, an altar, that is trumping him? They will never do it. He will. He is all you need. Jesus is better than anything else. He is still your first love. If you're in this room today and you know, Jeff, listen to me, Jeff. I've never met him. I know the stuff I do is wrong. I can't stop. The reason you can't stop is because you have no power in you called the Holy Spirit of God because you're not born again to stop. If you need to give your life to Christ and be made new so he can put his power, the Holy Spirit in you, so you can follow after him and you can chase after him and he can bless your life, then when we start worshiping in just a little bit, you need to come down to the front of this altar, you need to come to this couple and you say, I need Jesus. I'm trading my sin in for Jesus because Jesus is better than sin. If you're a born again child of the king today, but you've lost your first love and you begin to seek your own happiness and your happiness has led you to sin, let me say what Jesus said to the woman. Go now and leave that life of sin. Go now. Stop. Stop. Jesus is better than sin. Amen. Jesus is better than sin. I'm gonna ask you to stand, church. As the worship team begins to make their way up, if you're on the ministry team this morning, I'm gonna ask you to come. I did have a good Easter, don't worry, all right? <laughs> Jesus didn't say, just go make yourself happy. Go be happy. Jesus said, come follow me. Come follow me. What I got is better than the world. The world offers happiness, but happiness is gonna have to be continually fed with more happenings. You'll never get enough because we were not created to that. The creator created us, created us, his creation, to be in relationship with him. He's a good, good father who can bless you beyond measure. I know you know that, but I choose, I hope today you choose Jesus over sin. Call it what it is. All right, it's not a bad day. You say, I don't cuss as much as the people I work with. Well, that's good. But you're still cussing, which affirms they're cussing, and they won't change till you change. Let him who made your tongue control your tongue by surrendering your tongue.
He'll cut those words off, and they'll ask you, how'd you cut them words off? Well, first of all, I'm a born-again child of the God, so I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and through that, I surrendered my tongue who, to the one who made the tongue, and I stopped. And they'll ask you, what's this born-again stuff mean? And you can tell them about Jesus and Calvary and how he changes your life and how he can take an old life and be dead in sin and raise it up to new, live a new life. And change your whole work environment. Your work environment may be defined by people's lives that are changed at work there, not by your sales tickets. Jesus is better than sin, church. And it's time for the church to model that to a world who is chasing it. Amen. The world can't outgive your father. He's good. I pray you chase him as much as you chase that other stuff. And as Jesus said to the woman, stop. Stop. Stop right now. Leave your life of sin and run and you'll be different. Let me pray for you. And I want you to simply do what the Holy Spirit said to do. Father, we love you. We love you. That is our heart's cry. Even those that are far from you, those who don't know you, love you. So God, I pray that whatever you have done in us, whatever you're saying in us, whatever you're speaking to us, God, that we say yes to that today and we come. For on the other side of that yes will be obedience and how that obedience will be blessing, blessing, blessing. So God, move us now as we worship in Christ's name. Amen, amen. If you need to come, come church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from The Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using The Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.